something that you know was kind of distasteful. But now shortcuts are almost like, yeah, every, everybody's trying to take a shortcut. You know, the get rich quick scheme kind of a deal. And so the idea is if I can do less and actually accomplish more, right? And so now you have what the, you know, the six minute ab, you know, six minutes, you know, for sweet cut abs, you know, wasn't, you know, it was too long. So I guess now you have like the three minute ad, you know, abs video or whatever. It's like everybody's trying to take a shortcut. You know, there's a, there's a pill, there's, there's something out there that, that will allow you to do less and accomplish more. Um, and so we, we, we see this even in, in, you know, the way we, we take in information. I, I don't want to read, you know, a whole book of three to 500 pages. I'd, I'd rather just, you know, read the blog. Or in fact, I'd rather just look at the tweet because then there's a, a limited number of, of, you know, words that can be on there. And so I don't even need to learn how to spell anymore. I can just have like emojis and, you know, little symbols and things like that and kind of, you know, in, in 10 seconds, I'm going to get my news in 10 seconds from, from Twitter and feel like I'm informed. It's a shortcut. Well, how does this work out in Christianity? Um, well, from the beginning, we've seen false prophets. The Bible is very, very clear that there have been false prophets. There were false prophets. There will be false prophets. Um, in fact, most of the New Testament is addressing and identifying false teaching. The Galatians is identifying the false teaching of the old uh, Jews who were converted to Christianity, but still clinging on to their old Testament and old Jewish methods and ways, and then trying to convince others that if they don't do that, then they're not good Christians anymore. And really what you have is, is an entirely another religion built off of false teachings. Well, we see this in, again in the, in, in the Bible. We have, you know, the, the Old Testament versus the New Testament, right? Why, why don't we want to read the Old Testament? Well, because it's old and it's not applicable any, anymore, right? Um, that's what people have said. Um, again, the whole presupposition of the New Testament is that not only have you read the Old Testament, but you know it well. The, the assumption that you've read the Old Testament is, is found in every book in the New Testament. Galatians is this tiny little book, and it's referring to the Old Testament all the time, and you need to have a background in the Old Testament. But, you know, it takes a long time to read the whole Bible. Can't I just read, like, one book? Maybe Matthew, maybe First John. There's only, you know, take me five minutes. Why are we trying to take these shortcuts? Um, it doesn't matter if it's sport. It doesn't matter if it's our, our body. But it should matter when, when you're talking about your, your spiritual well-being, right? Why would you want to take a shortcut? Why would you want to, to go about it half mass? Um, so today we're going to look again at Galatians 5 and... We're given clear instructions for, for authentic faith. Um, one of the signs of counterfeits, again, is, is the shortcut method. We don't want shortcuts, right? We don't want, we don't want to take a shortcut. Did, did Jesus take a shortcut for us? 
No. Um, and so remember, um, the, as we look back to this book of Galatians, we, we, we don't want to be legalists. It's not about the law. It's not about the commandments. But we also don't have this unbridled, unlimited freedom either. Um, to just be free to, to do whatever the flesh wants, uh, wants or desires. No. So we're given three clear instructions here for authentic faith. And the first one is a command to live. The second one is a contrast in lifestyles. And then the third way is a crucified identification. So a command to live, contrast in lifestyles, and a crucified identification. Well, Galatians 5.16. But I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that please you. So we see here now that there's a a, a command, a command, an exhortation to do something. To do what? To walk. Um, to walk by the Spirit, and in contrast, um, not by the flesh. And so what are we talking about when we say walk by the Spirit? Is this just some symbolic gesture? No, this is a, a literally conduct your life. The, the way that you live, the way you, you behave in your life is what's called your walk. Maybe as you've been in... Christian circles for a while, you've even, you know, heard a, another brother or sister in Christ say, hey, how, how's your walk, right? They're not asking if you've got like a really, you know, cool stride, you know, they're not asking if you just, you know, went like Peter Parker down the sidewalk. No, what they're asking is, how are you living for Christ? Are you being obedient? obedient? Are you being faithful? Are you progressing? Uh, towards walking in a manner worthy of the calling. This is a clear call to action. Walking is, is, is something that, that you do. It's not passive. It's action-oriented. But I say, walk by the Spirit. If you walk by the Spirit... Well, and you will, then you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So if, if one of my goals, if one of my desires is to not walk by the flesh, then my question would be, well, how do I not walk by the flesh? What would be the best way to not walk in the flesh? To walk by the Spirit. See how, see how that, and that's, it's supposed to be real simple, not, not very complex. And, and, and why is that? Because the, the flesh it is sets out a, a, a desire against the spirit. So desire has that idea of, of, of lust, of eagerness, of, of an impulse, right? And we're not to be impulsive that way. Impulsive to the point where we just, you know, follow the, the flesh. And what is the flesh being described as here? It's the idea of, of your human, carnal, sinful nature. 
Now, the flesh isn't always negative, but in this context, it is. It's a negative desire of your, your sinful nature. Ephesians 6 uh, reminds us that, that our battle, our battle isn't flesh and blood. Our, our battle is, is, is spiritual. It's a spiritual battle. And so even though we're, we're sitting here comparing this idea of spirit versus flesh, that the, the flesh is spiritual too, right? This is a spiritual endeavor as well. Uh, don't, don't completely separate the two. They're both spiritual endeavors. One is, is for God and the other one is not for God. And so we are commanded then to, to live led by the Spirit. Uh, verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, then you're not under the law. Well, that might come off confusing. Wait, wait a minute. Okay, so you don't want me to live by the deeds of the flesh. You don't want me to live <laughs> according to my carnal nature and my lusts and my, my desires. Um, so it sounds like you want me to follow rules, right? And regulations. But notice... That's not how the Bible lays it out, is it? Not at all. In fact, it's painfully going out in a way to say the opposite of that. I want you to live, but not according to rules, laws, and regulations. Again, it goes back to that idea that, that of, of a, of a parent-child relationship. No parent wants their children to just obey the rules, right? Oh yeah, they can obey the rules. Hey, can you take out the trash? Yeah, sure. <laughs> or, or, does that really make you feel good? He, he took out the trash. He was obedient to the law, right? No, you, you, what you would really like is, hey dad, because I love you, I'm going to take the trash out. <laughs> Maybe not quite so obnoxious, but you, you, you get the idea that out of the wellspring of your heart, I have a love and a desire. I don't need you to tell me. And not only that, I took out the trash. I mowed the lawn. I washed your car, right? I don't want to give him a list of rules to, to show his, I want him to be led by his heart or in verse 18, led by, by this spiritual way, not by the law. Not by the law, because authentic faith doesn't require rules. It's because it's not driven by, by rules. It's actually driven by freedom. And Christianity is freedom. This is one of the, the, the biggest mistakes that, that, that people make is that Christianity is about rules and regulations. Which blows my mind away because the whole premise of Christianity is that you're a sinner, means you broke the law, and then Jesus died to pay the price for your sin, which means you didn't do anything, and you can go to heaven by grace and faith, which again is not by you. So what part of that means that you're something or that you have to do something that you've earned something? It's, it's by grace that you're saved through faith not by works. The scriptures are very, very clear. But, but just like any 
parent who decides, you know what, I'm not going to mandate and give a bunch of rules to my child. And you know what, they, they can go out tonight and I'm not going to say anything to them. Well, how well does that go? doesn't usually go very well. You know, try parenting your child without parenting them, right? Would they ever brush their hair, brush their teeth, take a shower? I mean, just go to a local college, right? And you can ask the guys there in the first year, you know, you ask them, hey, how many times did you, did you wash the bedspread? And the high number would be two. Zero. <laughs> the normal number would be zero because they're animals. Well, they're not animals. They just, that's not a high priority on their list. Um, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 has a, a says it great in, in, in wrapping up this first point. We we're commanded to live. We're commanded to walk. It is a command, not by law, not by rules. It's a command to walk by the Spirit. And it says, run with endurance. Run with endurance, lay aside every encumbrance, and do not grow weary of doing good. This is how God wants us to live, to walk by the Spirit, to, to, to run this race with endurance, laying aside the, the sinful encumbrances and not growing weary of doing good. Well, the problem is, is there, there is a contrast. There, there are two sides. And the second point is there's a contrast in, in lifestyles. Um, verse 19. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I forewarned you that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Well, let's break this down. First of all, we have to understand Matthew 6, uh, 24 to 34 makes it crystal clear that, that uh, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. You can't be a slave to righteousness and be a slave to disobedience. And so you can't serve deeds of of the flesh, sinful deeds, and also be united with deeds of the Spirit. These, these are contradictory lifestyles. It's a contradictory way, and it, it, it's not biblical. And what happens is for some reason, we, we come to a list like this, and in, in our human sinful gorilla math, we think... That this is the buffet line. And that we can come to this and go, okay, so I'm I'm into the I'm into the peace thing and joy and love, I guess. Uh patience, uh, no. No, not so much patience. 
Uh, self-control, I do blow my lid sometimes. Ah, I forget self-control. Um, this other stuff here, um, well, this isn't so bad. I mean, you know, a little jealousy. I mean, you know, a little enmity. And, and it's like we're picking and choosing. We're, we're taking away good stuff because it doesn't suit our needs. And, and we're actually adding in bad stuff. We mix it together, put it in a bag, and somehow we want to say... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ. And, and what you did was you actually took two different lists and put it together into a whole new list. Um, and we all are guilty of this at times. Every time you allow yourself to participate in deeds of the flesh and, and, and you refuse to repent and you continue to engage, then you're a willful participant. Now, let's, let's look at these things. Verse 19. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident. Uh, if you've studied uh, uh, argumentation and, and, and logic, you'll, maybe you'll relate to this sooner. But it's this idea. The, the deeds of the flesh, they're, they're self-evident. Self-evident is a way of proving something. It's like, how, how do I... How, how do I prove that, that this, this wall exists? It's the evidence is itself that it's there, right? It's self-evident. Now, there'll be philosophies that'll say, how do you know you're in this universe and dimension? Maybe that wall isn't there, right? It's like, it's self-evident. Run into it really hard and, and we'll find out if it's really there or not. Um, there, there's no need for explanation. It's, it's obvious. It, it's clear, isn't it? Aren't the deeds of the flesh clear? Aren't they, aren't they obvious that, that immorality is not okay? Well, guess what? When you're told over and over and over again and lied to and packaged it in, in a certain way, then I guess it becomes palatable. Some of the, the different phrases here, maybe they're not self-evident. Maybe the... Um, we don't really understand what immorality is. And when you look at the Greek, immorality uh, comes from porneia. Does that ring any bells? Um, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe watching certain movies or seeing certain things are okay because everybody else is doing it and it's all over the place and, and I can get it on my phone, so maybe it is okay. No, it's, it's not okay. It's immoral by definition. Um, impurity. Well, how's, how's that different than impurity? And impurity has that idea of being unclean or, or, or polluted. Uh, again, we have to be very careful how we pollute the things that we're involved in, that we see, that we do. W would you drink a, a, a delicious ice cold glass of, of lemonade with a couple teaspoons of arsenic? No, it's been polluted, right? So, so why do we dabble in the flesh with impurity? Uh, sensuality, again, has, goes back to that idea of, of not having sexual restraint. There is no restraint. You, you do what you want to do. Uh, that's become uh, more prevalent in today's day and age. You just... There, there are no rules. There are no age limits. It's, it's taught to our children 
in elementary school from our schools as though it's what? Normal and okay? Well, guess what? When you teach it as normal and okay and you teach it at a very young age and you infiltrate it in the music and the pop culture and TV as though this is what's happening everywhere, then guess what? I guess the deeds of the flesh are not self-evident anymore. Um, but they should be, especially in Christianity, and they will be when you read your scriptures and you're reminded over and over again that, you know what, this is not okay. Uh, idolatry is not okay. Sorcery, the idea of sorcery, we think, well, that's a little bit outdated. Except when, again, you look at the, the Greek word, and the idea of sorcery comes from this word that you've probably never heard of, pharmacia. Does that ring any bells? Pharmacies? Um, we've got almost everybody that you know now is on some kind of medication or, or pharmacy. And, they, and again, I'm not uh, diminishing, you know, real elements and real problems, but are we over-medicated now? Um, have we abused that? And, and do you realize that that ties in with the biblical concern with things like sorcery? Um, it's not new. And again, you think, oh, well, wait a minute. If, it, if it's natural and normal, then it's okay, right? Are we really going to play that game? Um, I, I, you know, again, it's not self-evident anymore that, that there are narcotics, that there are drugs, that there are things that alter the mind that will hurt you and that are not good. And those are considered part of the deeds of the flesh. They're mind-altering. Uh, enmity, strife. The, the, this idea that, that it's okay to be at odds with other people. To hold grudges. To be in, in opposition is, is very human. True. We, it's the flesh. It's, it's your sin. Uh, being jealous. Outbursts of anger that ties in with, with the self-control. It's not okay to be angry. Oh, but I'm passionate. I, I, I saw in a, I, I saw really a, 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 a very, uh, it almost gave me tingles. I guess it did give me tingles yesterday. I saw, I, I was watching, I was watching football and they commented on football about something that happened in tennis. So, you know, modern day, you know, you could flip over and I flipped over and, and, uh, you know, the world's greatest female tennis player ever had just lost in a, in a really major tennis event. And she lost to a very young lady and it was a major tennis event, a really big event for this young lady. Well, there were, there was some major, um, uh, problems in the, in the, in the, uh, the match and, and this gal, Serena, had, you know, busted her, her, her tennis racket on, on the court. And, and <clears throat> I remember as I was watching that, and they showed the highlights of that, and then she was, you know, yelling at the ref and stuff like that. And I, and I was thinking to myself, you know, this is why people don't like you, because <laughs> of this anger and this rage. She's not even close to being the, the world's greatest female athlete. And... Um, and yet she's not as liked as she really should be, right? And, and as I was watching that, and it's like, you know, it's pretty disappointing that, you know, somebody of, of that stature is, you know, really performing, behaving like a child. 
A few minutes later, they're at the, the ceremony and they're awarding. And, and literally, I mean, you couldn't write this in, in, a, in a book, but the crowd is like going crazy and they're angry at the ref and the official and they're booing and they're pretty hostile. Well, there's this young lady who just won a major championship. It should be the highlight of her life. And she's just crying and broken down because she's embarrassed and feels like everybody's blaming her for this. And you know, at this moment where I was so disappointed in Serena Williams, she reaches over and grabs this young girl and kind of pulls her in, says some nice things to her, and then gets up and tells everybody, hey, stop the booing. You know, this is her moment, she won. And it was like a complete turnaround, right? Of, I was like, it was a good reminder of in her humanity, you know what, she was angry and she, you know, but, but then she was able to kind of pull it together and do this really beautiful thing for this girl. But here's the thing, what, what do we do with this? What, what, I, we walk away from that and saying, okay, well, you know what, no, we, I, I, I wish she hadn't have broken her racket and yelled at her and, and then all that other stuff, but presumptively because she doesn't have the fruit of the spirit in her that's that's controlling her it allows her anger to come out and you know what that is then she's got to own that and who she is um and it's not okay it's a it's a deed of the flesh um and i'll, and I'll expand on that in a, in a little bit envying <coughs> drunkenness bible's very clear drink do not be drunk uh, carousing, sleeping around, fornication, things like these of which I forewarn you. And I have forewarned you. So this is nothing new. This isn't a new argument. Not only is it self-evident, but we've said this before. But here's, here's the deal. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that should stand the hairs on the back of your neck because each and every one of us could probably look at this list and go, I, I've been guilty of this. I've been guilty of this. I've been guilty of this. Not one, not two, but multiple things. And notice that this list is in the same sentence. It doesn't say that, that you know, carousing is worse than strife. Right? It doesn't say that idolatry and, and sorcery is, is worse than outbursts of anger. They're all sin. They're all wrong. They all need to be repented from. But I want to encourage you that it says those who practice such things. There's a difference between committing a sin, doing a sin, and practicing that sin. Because what we want to be very careful of is as we come here and we read God's word and it says, look, I'm going to give you the freedom to live. And, and, and that doesn't mean that, that you just do whatever you want and turn it into an opportunity of sin. But then if you sin, then that you're damned and going to hell forever, right? And then you flip it back around and go, well, well Jesus died for my sins anyway, so the Romans argument, so that Jesus is glorified and honored and Christianity has these great and amazing turnaround testimony stories. I'm going to do really, really bad stuff so that people can see how Jesus can transform. No. 
No, we, we don't continue doing bad, sinful things. We don't presume upon God's grace. Um, but we will sin. We, we will sin. Um, but we're warned here not to, to practice. The idea of practice, kind of two ideas. One is the, the doctor and the other one's the athlete. Right? To, to exercise you know, habitually this, this process of over and over and over again, right? You're, you, you, you discipline yourself with diligence to, to accomplish a goal, to get it done. It is, that's what we're talking about here. When, when, you, when, when you determine yourself to, to exercise your, your body to a point where this is what I'm going to do. Don't do fleshly things like that. Don't practice them. Or the doctor, the, uh, one of my favorite things, you look at a doctor and a doctor could be, you know, a doctor for 15 years and he says, this is my, my practice, right? Because he's still practicing. He's still working out the, the, you know, still learning. He's still growing. And so in order to be a good athlete or a good doctor, you, you, you have to, practice over and over and over again well it's the same thing with with sin you good sinners practice hard they do so don't practice hard instead so not only do we not practice hard, not only do we not commit ourselves to habitually doing something that we know is not right but instead verse 22 the fruit of the spirit Notice the difference between the, the plural, the deeds of the flesh. Each one of these deeds are kind of independent uh, of each other. We're, the fruit of the Spirit's different. We're, we're called to live by this fruit of the Spirit. If it were a, a tree, you wouldn't see a love fruit, a joy fruit, a peace fruit, a patience fruit, a kindness fruit, a goodness, faithfulness fruit. No, you would see one piece of fruit that encapsulates all of those. You don't get to pick or slice it up. We, you are commanded to, now this is the twist here. No rules, no, no, no 10 commandments, right? Commanded to walk by the spirit. Does that sound odd? I thought there were no rules, no there is, but it's, it's, a, it's a free love offering. It doesn't say how to do the love, how to do the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, goodness. We're just called to do it. And that will take its shape and form in so many different ways that, that you can't write books long enough or bullet points long enough to, to list them all. I, I know for me, so many times when I'm caught in my sin, when I'm, when, when I'm struggling with something, I, I, I go back to this passage and, and think about the fruit of the Spirit and think about how, wow, I'm, I'm, right now I'm violating that. The, the love, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the, the faith, gentleness, self-control. And then you look above and you go, oh no, I'm, I'm mirroring these other things. It's time to stop practicing those other things and commit myself. And you have the ability to do that. You have the ability 
to practice the fruit of the Spirit. And we see it right here contained with the fruit of the Spirit. Self-control. Self-control. You may have, can have, and must have self-control. You have the ability to say no. God has given you the ability to say no. And so 2 Peter 1, 5-8 says, Apply with all diligence. Apply this with all the diligence, with all the action of walking, with all the commitment. Apply it. Apply it in your faith. I love how it says it like that. In your faith. Because it's still faith. It still not works. Matthew 7.20 says, you're going to be known by your fruit. So when we evaluate ourselves, when we examine ourselves, when we tell people at work or our neighbors or our family and friends, hey, you need to follow Jesus. You need to live for Jesus. You know what they're looking, what they're looking at? They're not listening to your words. They're looking at you. They're looking at your fruit tree. And are they seeing... Love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, generous, self-control? Or are they seeing deeds of the flesh? We don't want them making a judgment call like on Serena, right? We don't, we don't, that's, that's not our goal and desire. Go, well, she blew it over here, but she was great over there. Yeah. Skills of justice thing, right? No. No, we, we want to resemble the, the fruit and the life of a... Of a, of a fruit tree that when anybody who walks by, they would be able to point out that guy, is, especially if they knew you before, right? He is definitely different than he used to be before. And look at him. Look at him go. Well, again, this, these are not exhaustive lists. They weren't intended to be. This is just supposed to be kind of little throwaway um, examples of, of this is what the deeds of the flesh are. The, the contrast between deeds of the flesh and fruits of the spirit. Well, how do we ultimately accomplish this? Uh, our third point, a crucified identification. A crucified identification. Um, now those, thing, those who belong to Christ. Who are those who belong to Christ? the Christians, it's those who have submitted, who bowed the knee before the throne of God, who said, my master, right? Confess with their heart and believe in their mouth that Jesus Christ died, was buried and rose again. Those are the ones who belong to Jesus Christ. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. We are Christians. That means we, we belong to, to Jesus Christ. That means we, we are we're crucified with him. Back to Galatians 2.20. Keeping the context of, of Galatians. Verse 19, for through the law, I died to the law. Remember, we, we, we died to the law. Why? That I might live to God. I died to the flesh that I might live spiritually to God. I have been crucified 
with Christ. The, the idea there, identifying with Christ in, in his death and burial and resurrection. It, it's what we do when, when, we, when we participate in baptism. It's a symbolic gesture of our death, our burial, and our resurrection. It's a symbolic gesture of being born again. Or the old guy is dead and the new guy now has arisen. It's not old guy dead, old guy come back. The old guy wasn't good enough. The old guy is that simple deeds of the flesh, practicer of the deeds of the flesh. You know, we want the one that lives by the Spirit. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You want to pray about something? Lord, please live in me. Flourish in me. Dwell in me. Have residence in me. Take it over. I need you. I need your help. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. There's always a tie-in and a connection to, to the cross. Always as a Christian. Always. And part of that is so that we understand the power who it comes through, Jesus, and the humility that it's, it's not about us. Because we're going to trigger in on certain things. And it's going to be confusing. And, and we're going to, we're, if you're an athlete, it's like, as an athlete, you know, I see the practice. I go, okay, I'm not going to practice the deeds of the flesh. Man, I am going to turn it on for the fruits of the Spirit. Okay, what, what can I do? What program can I put myself on? If waking up at six is good, I'll wake up at five. You know what? I'll wake up at four. If reading a verse is good or memorizing a verse is good, then I'll do five. I'll do six, right? And it's just like, just stuff, stuff, stuff. And so God has to, has to tell us, look, it's not about the stuff. It's not about the law and the rules. It's about me and how you follow me and identify with me. So we're constantly talking about the same thing, aren't we? Over and over and over again. Why? Because we struggle then with, with obeying and then not tying it into legalism. So our identification is, is through the crucifixion. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's why in Matthew 16, 24, it says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That is the Christian pattern. That is the Christian life, to self-deny. Deny yourself, deny your, your, your sensuous desires, uh, deny your lusts, and follow Christ. It's that idea of, you know, the, the WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? It's a great question to ask yourself. If you're not sure, if in doubt, would Jesus be here, do this, watch that, say this, act this way? Um. Ephesians 2 reminds us that our identification then is, is in dying with Christ and then again walking and living with Christ. That's our identification. And so the flesh, the flesh then, verse 24, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. That's, that's the idea of, of killing the flesh, of, of putting it away, of doing what now? Burying it. The idea of... of in the Greek here is the passions, the pathos, or, or these emotions. And then the desires is, or, or the lusts. 
And so it doesn't matter if you have like, you know, emotional issues or lustful issues. Either way, you've got to bury it. You've got to put it away. Why? Verse 25, because now we live by the Spirit. But notice the, the hypothesis here, the statement, the, 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 the conditional proof, right? If, if we live by the Spirit, it's, that's the, the kind of the, the statement, well, the condition, well, the proof then is, if you live by the Spirit, then the proof is you'll walk by the Spirit. Right? Right back to verse 16. If you say you live by the Spirit, then you will walk by the Spirit. Then you will produce fruit, Matthew 7, 20. And so that becomes our goal. That's, that's our goal. That's our desire is to, to, to not live according to ceremonies, not to live according to circumcision, not to live according to communion table or baptism, but to live by, by, by this spirit, to walk by the spirit, to take action. Not just say, I just, I have a deep faith. I, I met somebody uh, last week and we're, she was talking about her father and, and I asked, oh, was well, he saved too? And she's like, well, if he is, you would never know it. He's hiding it real well. And then literally about five seconds later, she said, but I, but I know I'll see him in heaven. And, and it's like, how, how, how are you saying that? That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. There, there's no fruit. There's, there's, you're, you're looking at a, a rotten tree here. And yet somehow you, you think that it's going to end up a, a good result. The cross then, the cross is the only thing that gives us the ability to correct uh, and to control our passions and our desires. Yes, we have the freedom to act properly by walking by the fruit of the Spirit. Yes, we, we, we need to work on practicing the fruits of the Spirit. But, but make no mistake, like I mentioned before, we, we, we will sin. And that's why I don't want to be too critical with, with Serena. I don't know her. I don't know her at all. And, and maybe I may have a moment of, of outburst of anger. Um, and so praise the Lord that we have Christ Jesus who's died on the cross to pay for that sin. But I would challenge you um, to walk. And I like that it says walk here. It doesn't say run. There's other verses that talk about running and running the race. And here it's just, just, just walk. <laughs> Can you walk the faith? I'm not asking to be a soldier. I'm not asking to be a hero. Just, just, just walk. Walk on the righteous path. Just, just stroll down the road. And I like how it closes. Let us not become boastful. Almost knowing how we are. Okay, I've conquered the deeds of the flesh. I'm now walking by the, by the fruits of the Spirit. And then here's a... Don't get cocky, okay? You're doing okay right now. Um, but you still got to worry about... Here's, here's the boastful. Here's the challenging one another. Here's the coveting, the pride, the, the, 
um, you know, right back to some of the, the old things that, that we will struggle with, uh, our covetous nature. And so it just, it, I love how the Bible kind of always does that. You, you think you're doing all right, and then it kind of knocks you between the eyes and goes, ah, there I am again. You know what? I need the cross. I need Jesus. Let's pray. Lord.